Let's fucking go. Woo-woo! <laughs> Get back into it. Hello, and welcome to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what aged like fine strawberry wine and what aged like milk. I'm Izzy. I use sincere pronouns. And I'm Kit. I use she, her pronouns. You can find us and content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall-related things, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us at Abbey Archives on Tumblr now. Yeah, we've got I a made Tumblr, guys. A Tumblr. It doesn't get a whole ton of stuff posted to it, but we do post the episodes, and we do post like Redwall-related stuff, and you can send us asks and stuff on there. And they'll be anonymous if you don't want people to know that you like this book series, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about some your wild, crazy fan theories. Yeah, some people are shy and anonymity is a good option. Yeah. Um, all right, so. So we've been gone for about two months now. This is our <laughs> first recording in almost two. Actually, yes, probably two months now. Yeah. Uh, because I ran away to Canada for a couple weeks and then everything snowballed. And I literally. had burnout that I'm slowly, like, I'm, I'm feeling more like myself. Uh, yeah. Life life exists and happens and also the world is so much right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> to date this, uh, yesterday was Friday and the Supreme Court sure made a decision yeah. in the United States. <laughs> so we have decided we are gonna pop up and give somebody some people something nice to listen to for a bit, something to let their brains rest, recover, and relax. Yeah. Hopefully. Um I do I do wanna say though, I do wanna say if you agree with the Supreme Court decision, stop listening to our fucking podcast and leave. Yeah. We don't no. want you here. Leave. No, you are not welcome. Both of us have uteruses and No, leave. Just fuck off. <laughs> we do not want you here. Now that we have scared off uh, most of Reddit, <laughs> I'm sorry, I love you Reddit community. You guys are f- usually fantastic. Uh- <laughs> I mean, there was that one guy who was already coming at us for- Yeah, uh- fucking- There are so many people- Like, okay, I don't know if this is gonna stay in or if I'm gonna cut it when I get to editing this, but, like, we get- I don't always respond to them because it's usually not worth it. And if I do respond to them, it's to be like, hey, did you listen to the episode? Da 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 da. And like 80% of the time, the person making the comment is like, well, no, I just read the description. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, well, then you don't know what we talked about. Yeah. So why are you giving an opinion? It's like, why are you here? You don't even go here. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm glad that we have managed to, like, pull in the the really nice people from Reddit. Oh, yeah. Looking at Ben! (laughs) Who personally attacked me with one of the questions. Um, (laughs) Let's see. And I will also say this, the the one funny thing about the vacation is, is that like, again, like I am the Christian of the pair and I definitely think God was watching over us this trip because it was one of the best trips I'd ever had in my, like road trips I've ever had in my life as far as like stuff not going catastrophically wrong. <laughs> and like, yes, we did drive through two different snowstorms. Yes, we got rained on most of the way through Washington, but I like rain. But Also, it's Washington. Yeah, also it's Washington. But also, let me give you some context. We stayed in West Yellowstone. We we did like a loop of Yellowstone. We stayed in West Yellowstone. We drove out. We drove back. We got all the way back home. Two weeks later, Yellowstone was closed down because the northern entrance was washed out. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. And like the day after Flunal left, we had a torrential thunderstorm come through. So we wouldn't have been able to do anything that day anyway. It's just like, I see... So spring held off long enough for us to have a good trip, and then it decided, all right, I'm going to make up for lost time. (laughs) You mean mean summer? Well, in Wyoming, they're kind of hand in hand, Eh. but yes, summer too. It's 
it bounces back and forth. Like right now for context, I'm in my summer pajamas, but I'm also sitting under a blanket because so, it's a little chilly because we had a big thunderstorm roll through last night. So you also live way further north than I do. E- way further north. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, sitting here in the south dying. Yeah. And over here like, ah, uh, it's a blanket morning. <laughs> like what is, what is but, the temperature right now for you? According to the phone, it is 49 degrees Fahrenheit. I and hate, high- I hate you, Kit. <laughs> our, our it is. Today, our high today is going to be around 60 degrees and there's windy. It's windy too. I'm checking the <laughs> real feel. It is, it is 10 in the morning here in Northern Alabama and it is 86 degrees, but it feels like it's 93 with a 50% chance of precipitation today. Oh, also, Izzy, don't forget, it's uh, Pokemon Community Day. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. When does that start? But I don't think that's uh, 10 or 11. I think it's 11. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you could double check to make sure it's not starting now. Anyway. It's just um, like community. Yeah, Pokemon so I had, do I had an amazing, I had an amazing good vacation, came back refreshed and, and ready to go, and poor Izzy was still feeling burnout, and my work has changed its hours which is why I was struggling so bad in the last podcast because my reading routine was completely destroyed. And so this time around, I just devoted one weekend to just get through a huge chunk of the book. And then um, after that, it was like, okay, that's just what I'm going to do. It's like when we start the next chunk of the book, I'm going to have one weekend where I get through a big chunk and then I'll scatter the rest of the reading through little bits. Also, this is an important... Um, and tap, 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 tap. This is an important announcement. We are going to split the last half of the book into two parts, just so we don't burn ourselves out again, because we think we've just been taking these books in too big of a chunk. Yeah, and going forward, we're going to be splitting the, especially the very first part of the books, because it seems that those are the biggest chunks, Mm -hmm. into multiple recording sessions, because we're we keep accidentally recording for like four or five hours at a time and it's like Ugh. yeah <laughs> we can't keep doing this not only that but um we want to give people a chance to ask questions more yeah um because i think we are just recording in two large chunks and people are like mm, asking questions hard yeah um not just that but also like in person i'm gonna be starting another campaign with a friend soon so my weekends are gonna be a little busier now too so (laughs) how dare you how dare you abandon me like this how fucking dare you (laughs) listen listen we're going into a world where all the sunken like things that sink into the ocean come back and we're gonna have the titanic as our base of operations how could i not want to do this yeah that is very anyway all right so Uh, we also get into oh uh, Uh, also, we should be, by the time this comes out, hopefully we'll have started it, but we should be already started or starting soon, uh, the, uh, streams where we play the Lost Legends of Redwall. Oh, right, yes! We need to schedule those, too. We do need to schedule those, because we were talking about doing them on Fridays, but you said your hours changed, so we need to discuss that again. Right, well, I mean, like, the hours changed, which would make me available on Fridays. Okay, cool. Because I get done with work earlier on Fridays than I do any other day of the week right now, so... Yeah. And we're going to be do- streaming that on twitch.tv forward slash hearthside enclave. We will be posting it on Twitter and Tumblr whenever we post to the Abbey Archives and Hearthside Enclave accounts. Make mm-hmm. sure you come and watch us when we do. Yeah. Because uh, it'll be a lot of fun. You get to hear us being dwarfs live. And just cooing over the art, because honestly, the art in those games is so cute. Uh, I'm excited to play. Uh, thank you, Lost Legends of Redwall. Uh, you guys have been fan-fucking-tastic every time I've spoken to you, because you've always been interacting with me. <laughs> they finally followed us back on Twitter. Yay! <laughs> so Literally, like, I am the hermit who emerges. Like, I do take the notes, I emerge to do the recordings, and then retreat back to my den. Like, you pay attention to stuff that goes on on the Abbey Archives Twitter. You just don't access it. I'm the one who can, like, pay. You have the option to access it, just like you have the option to access the Tumblr. You just don't. Well, I do. Well, I do reblog stuff on the Tumblr on occasion. Oh, you do? I haven't. uh, Post art. (laughs) 
Yeah, I do. Like, if you're on mobile, there's an option where, like, if you hold down the reblog button, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, give yeah. you the, yeah. I, I reblog stuff on occasion, and I did post some of my art there once or twice of, like, my character, my Redwall Sona. Oh, I see. See, you posted, <laughs> you posted your, Steady. that, that sleepy picture, and I actually reblogged it because I didn't realize you had posted it directly oh. to the account. <laughs> <laughs> or you I mean. had reblogged it from yourself. <laughs> That's very funny. I just went and looked. I this little ferret in a in a trench coat Beatrix Potter style is very cute. <laughs> it's from the Dolly uh uh AI generator. Anyway, guys, check out our Tumblr. There's good stuff on there. Yes. Um but yeah, so are we ready to get into this now? We got the sillies out, we warmed up, we good to go. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the poses like being Redwall can warp me. <laughs> it's fucking dumb all right um words words and stuff stuff and words things (laughs) i can do the talkie all right so after all of that also community day has not started yet so okay tuck my phone away uh Today we are reading part one of, no, part two. Oh shoot, sorry, I missed that. (laughs) It's fine. Today we are reading part two of Mariel of Redwall from chapters 19 to chapter 26. Uh, Content warning, drugs, question mark, weed, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Uh, Colonialist attitudes, uh, siege warfare, uh, warfare and death in general, uh, sanism, sleep deprivation, fire! Yes, you did it! You. you can literally put in uh, Dylan Hollis' voice, Fire! <laughs> Fire! <laughs> Simming him! I like that I can hear that you leaned back from the microphone to do that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Eggy. Eggy! Love his TikToks. <laughs> Simming him! <laughs> the macaroni one he just posted he's like there's macaroni i haven't like, seen that good. one yet <laughs> oh it's it's a tr- it's it's like not the most offensive thing he's done but you can tell he's just like his whole attitude you can just see the question marks floating over his head just the why in his attitude the whole time we made uh i made the magic peanut butter cookies and those uh, were so good oh man the fucking three ingredient those. cookies what the fuck I mean, I've got a lot of peanut butter I need to use. I might try those. Do week. it, do it, do it. Make sure you have at least a <laughs> cup of peanut butter. Oh, I definitely have that. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. So, first of all, before we actively start reading this, the chapter <laughs> art for this chapter, I cannot tell if this is a hare or a dog. I mean, it's clearly meant to be a hare because of the floppy ears and the fact that dogs don't exist in Redwall anymore, except for that one mention. It's it got such a, very... a great Dane face, though. It has a snoot. This thing has a snoot. A and like, snoot. not even like, because like hares do have like more of a face than like a rabbit does, but mm-hmm. they don't have like a face like that. Like it is a face. <laughs> but so it is a choice it is a, a, a artistic choice so that morning we start with gray patch and his crew he's in jovial mood and rouses his crew to tell them of his plan to take Redwall. uh it's not a good plan <laughs> no but this is the point sure of the story where the villains plan. are like severely underestimating Redwall. yeah because they haven't tried yet all right Flag's been given the job of hunting down Dandan and Dury because, like, they're missing. And everybody's like, where the fuck did they go? We know where they went. They went with Mariel because they were like, we also go. Uh, before, go. before he can really even get, like, a pace down the road from the Abbey, though, he spots Greypatch and his crew. He overhears and sees the plan to trick them into opening the gate. The ore slaves... Uh, who are common uh, wood creatures, are being used as decoys to lure out the kind-hearted Redwallers. And I made the point here, like, wait a minute, they never even mentioned bringing the ore slaves with them. They did not. I double-checked. And, like, I mean, it does make sense they're not just gonna leave them on the boat. But Especially because they didn't leave anybody to, like, watch the boat, like, idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did, did, like, there's, people live here here do they just think people are not going to see a big black boat and not check it out like there's sea rats 
They're sea rats. They're idiots. Well, you know what? Also, though, they are literally out of their element here. They are. So you can't give them too hard of a time. I mean, we can. We can, and we're going to, but we can also point out that, hey, they're out of their natural element. But Brian also gave us some plot holes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Flag is very quick to bolt back into Redwall, uh... Because uh, he, he actually asked for them to, like, leave the gate uh, unlocked so he could get back in. Um, mm-hmm. But once he gets back in, he meets Mother Mellis and he gets her help in double checking that all the gates are locked. Like, all the side gates are locked and goes to alert everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I made a snarky comment of, like, we should start keeping a tally for whenever, whenever we have somebody smart enough to actually check the gates because... Um, this is only the second time in the series that someone has thought to check these darn gates and make sure they are all locked. Yep. Because um, I'm pretty sure someone did that in Matameo. I don't remember, but I will um, take your word for it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just like, oh god, these fucking gates. <laughs> like, I understand why they have them. They're foraging, they're for stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, really 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 need to make sure they're locked what's the point of having walls if you put a bunch of holes in them (laughs) gray patch is a bit nonplussed to reach the abbey gates and find them manned and sternly defended uh he calls out in a fake friendly way asking for whoever runs the place abbert bernard replies politely uh, and Greypatch spins a small, sad yarn about being landlocked seafarers, thrown ashore by a storm and wandering a whole season. He asks for food, uh, and the abbot ducks back to let Flag and Roof Brush take over. And, and I just put a little note here that I'm already remembering why I like him so much out of the abbots, because he's he's competent and he knows when to let other people take, you know, yeah. command. Uh, They do a little back and forth, maintaining polite tones the whole time. Uh, Flag calls out the fact, though, that Greypatch is lying by letting a slung stone loose towards the ditch. Because this whole time, Greypatch has just been like, it's just me and these ore slaves. And all the while, he's had, like, everybody else hiding in the ditch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Flag, like, just, and there's a heavy mist in the area, so, like, they can't really see into the ditch because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a rat is hit by the stone, and the ruse is up because he yells. Uh, abandoned... It's Big Fang, actually. I forgot to notice that, but it's Big Fang who is the rabble rouser in the first book. Yes. Uh, abandoning the lie, Greypatch calls his men to fight. Uh, he makes a short but fierce speech to try and intimidate the Redwallers. Unfortunately for him, it really just riles them up, and courtesy of the feisty cook's assistant, young Cocklebur. He gets a hard turn up to his one good eye, effectively blinding him. Like, he gets knocked over, he's blinded, and it falls to Ringtail to help him escape, and Ringtail uh, to declare that it's war now. And I, I liked when Brian writes this, like, that, that, that feisty spirit of people who are, like, defending... It's the, the, the feistiness of the common person, the, the, the spirit of somebody who's, like, defending the home, the place that they love. Like, in the book, they describe it as, um... Young Cocklebur, Friar Alder's kitchen assistant, could stand no more. His fighting spirit was roused. Using his apron strings as a sling, he launched a small rock-hard turnip at Grey Patch. Bubbling broth pans! Take that, you simmering sea scum! Just, I-, I love when he, like, it's not the great heroes who really make me happy sometimes. It's when, like, just the average Joe is like, you know what? Nah, screw this. <laughs> Fuck are you, smack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What Bugs Bunny gif are you referencing here? Oh, no, no. You, like, you know how Bugs Bunny is like, this means war. No. You, how, you Cretan. I haven't seen Looney Tunes in forever. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's one of like his classic lines. You know, like, no. he's just, he's just going about, uh, anyway, knocked over and well blinded. Uh, did you read that part? Yes. Okay. Uh, Cockabert is... <laughs> Basically, what I was referencing is is that Bugs Bunny, he's usually just going about his day. He doesn't start messing with people half the time. Half the time, he's just trying to live his life. Well, then other people start messing with him. So he plays back a little bit thinking, oh, this will be good fun. But then somebody, Elmer Fudd, you know, whoever it is, 
puts that one toe over the line, they go a little too far and Bugs Bunny declares, this means war. And then the full trickster god comes out. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to make you sit down and watch Looney Tunes. Okay. I mean, I've seen Looney Tunes. It's just been a long time, okay? <laughs> anyway, Cocklebur is delirious with success and happily pats flags back. They sure showed those sea rats. Uh, Formal, though, brings them back to reality, reminding them that these are sea rats. One lucky turnip shot isn't going to deter them for long. And Simeon advises caution. Stay in the walls and keep up their guard. The abbot delegates the defense planning to Flag and Roof Brush. Uh, when he asks Melis if she approves, uh, she wishes that they could help the ore slaves. And can't they? Flag and Saxtus both gently dissuade her. They have to defend the abbey first. They couldn't save anyone if they let the abbey fall, after all. And I did make a comment of like, I wonder if someone's going to sneak out and do it anyway. But no, nobody does. And they honestly book. didn't really need to. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, rats take care of that themselves. The rats are kind of dumb. Um, my thing is I really like this. Uh, so this is definitely a little bit of, um, I think, Brian's humanitarian politics coming through. Mm-hmm. With, like, you have to make sure that you take care of yourself so mm-hmm. that you can take care of other people. They're no use to those ore slaves if the... If the don't keep the abbey safe. Exactly. You can't protect anyone if you don't have a home to keep them in, you know. Yeah, and you can't you can't help anybody if you're injured or dead, you know? Yeah. You should not help you should not help other people to the detriment of yourself. Okay, let me pull out a Christian quote here. There this is actually one of Jesus's Aesops or whatever they call it, one of his um allegories. He's like yeah, so, like, there's these two carpenters. One guy gets a splinter in his eye, and his buddy's like, oh, I'll help you out. But the guy who's like, I'll help you out, has a big log in his eye. So take care of the log in your eye before you take the splinter out of the other guy's eye. Kind of a thing. I, I, I know that you said, Christian, I do have to point out that that's actually a Jewish teaching. Well, I mean, but, where do you think Jesus learned it from? Exactly, because Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I've been studying Judaism uh just a little bit like mm-hmm. uh not like super seriously because I'm still like thinking about it but uh you know the Talmud is very interesting uh it's just basically sup- like supplementary stories to um eh, the Torah I just dropped something Fuck. every recording I drop something Take a shot? No. <laughs> We're not adding that. Uh, yeah. Judaism is very, very uh, interesting. Uh, historically. And that's basically what I've been learning is like history and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as a hot summer morning unfolds, Graypatch tends to his temporarily blinded eye and tries to keep his crew from mutinying. Uh, he tries to make light of the encounter. Uh, uh, I think it's it's not Kyobo, it's just Kaibo. I did uh, type Kaibo. Kaibo tries to hide his voice as he mutters that they should have listened to Big Fang. Uh, it doesn't work though, and Graypatch makes a note to see him later. Big Fang's, uh, idea as we go forward, like, he tries to brush off the complaint, but Big Fang persists. His plan to rush them would have worked better, and when Graypatch asks him how he planned to do it, he says element of surprise. He would have burned down the gates in the middle of the night, then gone in slashing and slaying. He also mocks Graypatch for his failed plan to use stealth and cunning, and mocks his injury. Uh, the crew seems to be starting to agree uh, until Pakatuck, who realizes his life would be forfeit after a mutiny, yells out in support of Graypatch. Uh, he's kicked for his support. And, of course, like, all of the rats are like, we don't listen to or slaves. <laughs> yeah, just like, like shut, shut your mouth. Yeah. Uh, the other rats rally around Big Fang, who says it's time they return to the sea and the Dark Queen. She's the best ship out there. They'll be better off there than in the forest. Dragging the slaves, they head back towards the ship. Fishgill, though, who is the uh, steersman, or the steers rat, mm. uh, sticks with Grey Patch, comforting him. Big Fang is a hothead, and either he'll get them all killed or will get killed himself and send the crew limping back to Greypatch. 
He's grateful for the rat's loyalty, promising in a couple days they'll see who's the real captain of the Dark Queen. Honestly, uh, I Clary, think it's interesting how yes. how like Big Fang is just kept around, just like it's it's like one of the big differences between like Clooney and Scourge, like the villains we've seen beforehand, and even Gabool himself. Like most of them would have killed Big Fang by now. Oh yeah. Like, like I think that's supposed to show the difference between Grey Patch and Gabool. Gabool yeah. would have killed Big Fang for yelling. Yeah. Like just immediately would have just killed him. Uh yeah. whereas Grey Patch is like, mm, but if I do that, I stop having I have limited men here. Yeah, and I need to preserve my resources. He's being smart is what he is. Mm-hmm. Grey Patch is very smart. I mean, how else do you think he got away from Gabool? Yeah. Who is just, you know, uh, uh, having a time. We're not there yet, but he's having a time. Yeah. Having uh, a bad time. Having a bad time. God. Uh, Clary and Co. are alerted to something being wrong when they don't find Packetug in his usual place. Uh, they find the river crossing uh, and the remains of... Uh, the, the, and the remains of the green fix. Sorry, my brain just... Just decided to stop working for a second, as it does. I hate that when that happens. Around midday, they find the Dark Queen. Uh, they then have a merry old time making sure she is less than seaworthy. They remove the rudder, hide it in the forest. They completely destroy the wheel and just throw the pieces everywhere. They mm-hmm. sink the oars and they just ravage the rations. Um, they throw most of the rations into the river. Uh, and then eat whatever's left, and there's this whole, like, little bit where one of them takes a bite into, like, a biscuit, but there's a weevil in it, and they throw it away. So they're like, yeah. ugh. I'd be as ornery as these guys if I had to eat tuck like this. Yeah. And I made a little note of how, um, because I know, like, Brian, it's like, it wouldn't be this easy. They won't get the Dark Queen back. They won't loop back around. So I'm like, all right, what is going to stop them from getting the boat back and launching? And it's like, oh, this is very clever, because the hairs were already set up to make this journey like brian is just he's on the ball with this book as far as like the big plot points goes he is yeah really he's he's things tight yeah he's setting things up and knocking them down in a way that makes sense it's uh, very satisfying it is it is very satisfying to have like these plot elements tie back together i made a comment at the end of the book that like the B-plot of this book does not feel contrived. Like, it feels way more connected to the A-plot. Especially because we yeah. don't have a dumb shit C-plot. Yeah. Because, like, like the C-plot ties in deeply with the A-plot. It's just, it's not even, like, I wouldn't even call it, like, a full branch of its own plot. It's just part of the A-plot that hasn't reconnected yet. It's a branch exactly. of the A-plot. It's, like, A.2. Yeah, exactly. Um... Once the the hares are done with lunch, they uh, raid the archery supplies and set up guard on this ship. Because uh, they know, they know the rats will be back at some point. Oh, yeah. uh, that same morning, Mariel and co. strike off into the ominous forest. It is dark and kind of wet, and they don't like it. Uh... Dury keeps reciting the poem, Tarkin snarks at him, and they start a little argument until Mario calls them to task. They pass through the gloomy forest, each lost in their own thoughts. And each- may I read that little bit of the poem, though, just to help point yes. out one of the comments? Find the trail and lose your life when in the woods these prisons keep. With senses sharp and open eyes, my nose shall not send me to sleep. Is the next part of the poem. Yeah, and I I do have to point out here that they're all thinking about, like, the people that they've left behind, family, things like that. Like, they are, they they are lost in thought and not paying attention. Yeah. Um, and so, lost in daydream, lost in daydreams, Tarkin begins to sing a little ditty. Mariel once again asks him to be silent, and he apologizes. It's a good smell, he says, reminds him of Han Rosie. Uh, predictably, they all fail to realize that the scent is making them fall asleep, and they all pass out. Yep. Which part of me was just like, you idiot! He was literally talking about not letting your nose lead you to sleep, and they're just so internally focused, it's just... Uh... 
I know, I know if they actually listened to most of the warnings and succeeded in avoiding the dangers, we wouldn't have as much excitement in the story. Yeah. But I'm still going to point out, like, there's ways to do this without making them look like a bunch of blundering goobs. I mean, they get, they get a little smarter, but also, uh, they are all very young. Good this point, is, yeah. This is the thing, this is part of why these are children's books. Yeah. Barring Mossflower... Every of our, all of our protagonists have been ex- like extremely Teenager young. At the most, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mossflower, like Martin, was an adult. He was just, you know, a young, young adult. adult. Yeah. But everybody has been very young. I would think Tarkin is the oldest out of all of them. Yeah, and he's the most and useless at times. He is the most useless motherfucker. I mean, like he does come in handy and. The reason that I don't completely detest him is that he has genuine moments of But he's still a hair. But, yeah. Worst guy you- worst guy you know just made a really good point. Literally, yeah. (laughs) God. God. Anyway. Uh, they all slowly wake up to find themselves bound to a tree, being interrogated by an odd creature who calls themselves Snidger. Uh, Snidger is covered in weeds and bark. Like, he's got a bark cloth mask. He's, like, just covered in weeds. Uh, Snidger speaks in, like, a heavy accent, uh, which also predictably Tarkin decides to make a smart-ass comment about. Uh, I hate him. Mm-hmm. Just, like, what? Like, what Can't even talk properly. Sir, I'm going to strangle you with your Harolina. Yeah. Like, okay, let me see... Well, it's that typical kind of like broken English that Brian likes to use, like, hee hee, smarty mouse, dissin, a smarty mouse, or you, shruck, sneezers talking, not true, anyhow, where you're from. Like words combined together, big, you know, like all blurred together, a bunch of like rolls This really and feels like together. so. Sleep asleep, sleep asleep, yeah. So you've heard, uh, uh, People who live, like, pretty deep in Appalachia talk, right? Like, that that mm-hmm. true blue hillbillies speak that you just mm-hmm. cannot understand unless you already know. I think the way I've heard it is, like, it's it's like the words have just gently been slurred together. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Like, if you listen, you know what the person is saying, but they slur the words together and talk pretty quickly. Uh, and that's just, like, a lot of people are like, oh, they don't know how to talk properly, they're not educated. It's like, no, that's just how they talk. Yeah. Those people are some of the smartest goddamn people. It's like, okay, King of the Hill, right? <laughs> Alright, everybody, buckle up, we're gonna get an Appalachia lesson from Izzy. Well, I mean, King of the Hill's set in Texas, but, you know, uh, what's-his-face, mm-hmm. the one character, I do Boom, not remember. Boomhauer. Boomhauer, yeah. Boomhauer talks like that. Yeah. But, like, if you listen to him, you know what the fuck he's saying. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, not that hard, guys, if you just unclog your ears and pay attention for a minute. Exactly. Like, it, this just sounds like, to a degree, it actually sounds like Snidger is uh, talking a little slower so that they can understand him. But, mm, probably. like, with all of the other, like, what the, the flitch eyes, which is what they're called, mm-hmm. uh, with the flitch eyes, they just all talk like that. And they can understand each other perfectly fine. It's 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 uh not great. It's classism. Yeah, classism. We love classism. Is... No, we don't. We hate it actually. Yeah, I just I just <laughs> had to point it out though. Like it's this is like one reason that like I actually started to enjoy Mariel's parts less because Mariel and her crew are kind of dicks for this entire chunk of the book. Yeah, um, I I think I so. Having read it, like, yes, uh, but I do think some of it is a little justified because they are in new territory and they are scared. Yes, so it's like, like it's understandable, but also... Like, to spoil a little bit further in the book, they do end up just being followed by a bunch of lizards, and, like, there's a shit fuck ton of them, and there's only four of them, and to their knowledge, lizards eat mice and hares. Which and lizards would eat mice if they had the chance. So. Exactly. So, like, they're scared and they're trying to make sure that they don't get eaten with what they know has worked so far. 
And the lizards are just kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, Liz- we're just curious. Why don't like they don't say anything, but it's just that vibe where it's like, you know, you could just talk to us. But since you're doing this, we're not even going to bother. It, it is actually it. I will say that it's a little funny that Brian, he does write it in a way that it's almost like you do see that Muriel is kind of like in the wrong here. Like she is like they're not scared of her. They're just kind of like mildly offended and just not wanting to deal with her. They're curious because, you know, shit, we're going to talk about this more. But, like, (laughs) it's just one of those things where, like, these are are a bunch of kids who have never been in situations like this before. Uh, I think Mariel might have the most experience with this. And, like, her experience with threats is to Mm. threaten them back. And that has worked for her. Good point. She is coming from a place of trauma, so... Exactly. And the others, like, Tarkin is... Uh, even if Tarkin is an, a fucking idiot and it doesn't like being like a combat hare, he was trained. He mm-hmm. also knows like, okay, lizards will try to eat you. They will try to hurt you. And the other two are from the Abbey. They don't know anything about this danger. One of them just went through a highly traumatic experience. And the other one's a, just barely not a divin. Yeah, just really literally barely. Like, still in with the kids, still being taken in by, like, literally, he just had two Dibbons take him for a ride with that whole strawberry tree. Exactly. Like, he's... Speaking, sorry, speaking of, I saw a strawberry t- tree in the, um, uh, Was it gardens. blue and did it float away? <laughs> no, but it was a strawberry tree. I That's got a amazing. picture of it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, like... Their reaction to a lot of the stuff, especially because, like, they came into that area when we get to it, like, from this, where they almost Mm. died, and then had to spend the night with a bunch of owls who kept threatening them. Yeah. Oh, speaking of. Uh, Anyway, yeah. Snitcher calls on their allies, and they rise from around them, chanting that they are the Flitch Eye. Uh, This tribe of small, ghillie-suit-wearing creatures just absolutely go to town on the hero's supplies. Trying to ignore it, the heroes look for the next part of the rhyme, a hollow oak that they can beat to call for help. Did you mean to do this? Yeah, the, a little bit. It, it, it partially, it was like, once I wrote it, I was like, I'm just going to leave that in there so Izzy can yell at me. Alright. <laughs> it takes a beat, but they realize they're tied to it. Or rather, they don't realize. Tarkin been new and was just like, oh yeah, we're tied to it. And they all looked at him like, he couldn't have said that before? <laughs> Tarkin was like, "Yeah, didn't ask." Yeah. <laughs> that was basically. I, I'd say response. he's definitely not at fault this time. No, not at all. Uh, Mariel manages. Mariel manages to get them all free. Uh, and while the other three fight the Flitch Eye, Tarkin begins kicking the oak and hollering that they are from Redwall. Uh, the scene ends with all of them falling under a swarm of the Flitch Eye. And, kid, I'm just going to let you read what you put as a note for this bit. <laughs> so, for context, um, Marielle is going to town with the gull whacker. No, she doesn't or, have the gull whacker. She took the, the ropes. Whacker, yeah. She she took the ropes that they were tied with and turned them into, like, smaller gull whackers, basically. Yeah. But they so, don't have that dried salt in them. So, I wrote, gatekeep girl boss gull whack. Yep. Yep. <laughs> She's going to divorce me, as usual. Yep. Divorce. Yeah, How dare you? You're horrible and the worst. I'm gonna just <laughs> destroy you with my mind. Destruction. Anyway, so we the next scene, we come up on Ron Blade, who, if we remember, is our badger. Ron Blade is armored and patrolling the shores of the beach near his beloved mountain. Uh, he should be sleep-deprived, but the sound of a ship arriving on the walks- The walks? No. The walks? Sound of a ship arriving on the walks. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go get the bloopers. And do it once I realized what I said. <laughs> but the sound of a ship arriving on the rocks has awoken his inner warrior. Some sea rats are due for a little hell. Like, it even, he says that he sent his, uh, hairs off. Like, mm-hmm. uh, said sea rats 
are the lot that are under the control of Orgai on the Waveblade. Uh, they've run aground because it's so fucking foggy and are trapped tight until the fog obscuring everything pulls back. They've realized that there is a hole in their hull just above the waterline, which can be dangerous for a ship. Uh, so they have to repair it. Uh, Ronblade is waiting for the fog to lift as well. He has sent his hairs off so that this fight would be his and his alone. He wants to kill rats today, kill them, and avenge his fallen hairs. Like, the way that this is written, I need to go to it because it is mm -hmm. chilling and disconcerting. While I find it, you can read your... Yeah. Uh... Basically, I, I like that... Um... I, oh, is this the herbs thing yet? Okay, sorry. The sl I, I have notes about him being sleep-deprived, which I made a joke about. Someone should get him some of those herbs. The man needs to sleep. To which he goes, wait, are those noxious herbs just weed? But they supposedly smell like perfume. And I put the note, I shouldn't be making notes right now. I am in a mood, and y'all are just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and I don't remember <laughs> why I was in the mood I was in, but it was just like, is this just weed? Is he just like, that's why I put the drugs question mark, because the flitch eye yeah. in this section, like, they do use those mix of herbs which it's not weed weed smells like skunk um half the time um you and... can get some strains that don't but most of the time yeah. it does just smell like skunk well, like, okay for context when we were in vancouver i smelled more weed up in vancouver than i have in years <laughs> um just Isn't walking around like oh yeah yeah it's legal up there um but we were also walking through like the the davies village like the gay part of Vancouver. Ah, um, so it was extra strong. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> uh, like then Fluna, who is from Europe, where weed is not as popular question mark, but um at least not in her area. Um, That's because they have fucking healthcare. Uh that and tobacco and smoking is still more predominant. Like there's you know, it's stuff fair. everywhere. But um but at one point, we were back in Wyoming. No, we were in Montana. We were almost back to Wyoming. And we passed by a skunk on the side of the road. And she didn't see it, but I did. And the smell hit. And she was like, why are we smelling weed out in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, no, Fluna, that was actually a skunk this time. <laughs> um, For context, Fluna's from Spain. Yeah. And then to loop back to the more serious notes I made, though, about Ron Bill... Ron I do want to say that I made a note that the weeds that the flitch eye were burning could have been lavender and chamomile and something else that I couldn't find from a quick Google search because yeah. the smells of lavender and chamomile can make you sleepy. There's probably something else mixed in there. Although then again, considering like if we go with my theory that the animals are roughly like the proper animal size with some adjustments to make things a little more even, it would make sense if this would be enough to overpower them because smaller lungs. Yeah, it could also be poppies. Yeah. Poppies. Poppies will put them to sleep. Opium. Um, Opium will put them to sleep. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. But I'm not sorry. That's all right. And then the second note I had in regard to Ron Blade. Ron Blade. Good God, Brian, that name. Ron Blade. Um, Ron was... Blade Widestripe. Yep. Yeah. He, this is character writing where it's really good and brian is like you remember how i've complained before in the earlier three books how so often brian brian would write these characters as like fierce warriors but then they're not allowed to get vengeance they're not allowed to be fierce and vicious like that he describes their nature here is a warrior who he is writing as bloodthirsty this is premeditated um murder essentially he is waiting to kill these rats these rats have not attempted to invade these rats are not here for salamandastron they don't even know where they are but they are on his shore and he's just waiting for the chance to kill them yep and i like that it's terrifying it's dark and it's good because here is ostensibly a good creature who is getting ready to do something absolutely savage because of the pain that the like another sea rat inflicted upon him this is the cycle of re revenge rearing its ugly head in the most vicious of ways yep let me read the this this bit uh ron blade expanded his massive chest letting out a great sigh of pure joy at the memory of his night stroll 
It was not often the Big Badger got a shipload of sea rats delivered to his doorstep. That was why he had sent his hares away. The Lord of Salamandastron wanted this one all to himself. Picking up his formidable broadsword, he swung it easily across his shoulders and strode silently back to the tide line. Standing with the waves lapping his studded lead greaves, Ronblade Widestripe resembled a great carved statue set at the edge of the sea. Fog swirled around his armored body as he listened to the sounds of the cursing sea rats who were waiting for the fog to lift. So was Ronblade. He remembered the dead bodies of his three hares swaying in the shallows of the tide line, the work of sea rats. A huge rumble of satisfaction welled up in his throat as he anticipated loosing his wrathful battle sword upon Orgai and the Waveblade's crew. And it's like, just before this, like, it was just like, oh, I'm out for a nice stroll. And then it's like, oh, oh, no, you're not, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's out to do a murder. You're here to do murder. murder. <laughs> you're here to do many murder. And like, hey. I'm not gonna say that, like, these sea rats specifically, as we learn later, don't deserve this. Uh, I mean, they, they okay. very much do because, like, they obviously it's it's the case of like we know that if they had the chance, they absolutely would have killed his like anyone else along the shoreline to take what they had. But that's getting into like some territory because they hadn't done anything yet. Yeah, like which again, like <sighs> the complexity of bullshit. You know? Yeah. Well, it's like how even in the Bible, like, you know, there's the thou shalt not kill. But even in the Bible, there are places where it will say, like, look, we know that you say thou shalt not kill. But there are exceptions. If you are defending your home, if you are protecting your people, if this is like, if this is a group of people who in the past have repeatedly hurt and betrayed you, don't let a snake into your house. You there's kill only, it before it bites you again. Yeah. There's only so many second chances you can give somebody. I Exactly. I keep dropping pieces of my silly putty. Why do you have silly putty? <laughs> to play with while we record so I don't get distracted. Fair enough. I've got my tablet up right now because my fidget toys are all the way across my room. Oh, no. <laughs> you did that to yourself. I did, but that's why I have my tablet up and I'm doodling a cute little Therizinosaurus. So. Well, I don't know where that piece of silly putty went. and I really hope it doesn't get stuck in my carpet. Oh, uh, you could find it after the recording? Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, so, later on, Big Fang and his crew reach the Dark Queen, only to realize that it has been boarded when a rat falls with an arrow through the neck. Like, what we get right before this is the hare's like, oh, look sharp, somebody's coming, and it's the rats. Uh, they use the ore slaves as a barrier and advance. Uh, the, the hares cannot shoot on them because the ore slaves are in the way. Um... Big Fang offers to to parley. Uh, this is really, really funny to me, and I'm not entirely sure if it's on purpose or not, because I didn't actually sit and Google this one. Um, so we know the term parlay, which means to uh, try and come to yeah. an agreement between two opposing parties. And I'm going to blame Pirates of the Caribbean for this, because they always very clearly say it parlay. It's the L-A-Y, parlay, parlay. Um, me, so that's me, why um, I wrote it parlay because all my life I've heard it said parlay that my brain didn't read it as parley. Okay. Okay. So parlay, uh, is a, is a North American word. It's, it's, so it's English, but like North American English, I guess we right. made it up or got it from something. Turn an initial stake or winnings from a previous bet into a greater amount by gambling. Oh, for goodness so, sakes. It is actually supposed to be spelt parley. I'm going to conference the between language. opposing sides in a dispute, especially a discussion of terms for an armistice. I'm going to fight the English language. So it is parley and not parlay. No, I'm sure it was right. It's just my brain was like, no, this is what it should be. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I kept misreading par uh, parley as parsley. <laughs> I was very tired. We are in a state. <laughs> just Listen. just to give you guys some context, like just putting out the Mariel, like the, that ra last recording we did, like I was having trouble reading. And then poor Izzy, Seer was having trouble. Um, fucking editing. You know, I kept forgetting. Editing. And so it was like, this is just 
like it's like this book is cursed it's like we're really enjoying this book we are really is it because we're liking this book that we're having so much trouble is like is it when we get to a book that we dislike that everything's gonna suddenly go smoothly again (laughs) well we'll see i don't remember what the next book is (laughs) anyway yeah so so big thing offers to oh oh shit oh man oh no that one's also gonna be rough because we both like that book oh Oh, no the curse (laughs) Ah! Anyway, everybody, it's going to be a wild few months. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Big Fang offers to parley, and Clary refuses because, like, they don't parley with sea rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Fang hurls a spear and manages to pin Clary's paw to the side of the ship. Uh, Rosie and Time injure and kill a rat with, uh, like, they injure one rat and kill another with arrows, and the rats once more retreat while Rosie tends to Clary's injured paw. They wager they're stuck aboard the boat until it heals. And Big Fang, of course, because of this, just immediately loses control of the crew. Kaibo takes him down in a fight, pointing out uh, that the hares have scuppered the Dark Queen. Uh, and when Big Fang, you know, tries to argue, like, oh, we could repair it, it's like, no, we fucking can't! Like, do we look like carpenters We're sitting to you, ducks. Sir? Yeah. <laughs> you fucking idiot. He says it's time to go back to Grey Patch and the hope of an easy life at the Abbey. With a knife to his throat, Big Fang agrees. Like, Kaibo has basically made himself the spokes rat of mm-hmm. the rest of the rats. Uh, so he's not captain. He's not trying to be captain. He's just basically like, listen. He wants what's best for himself and for the other rats, more or less. Mostly for himself, but, you he know, the other rats are part of that. the head of the, the sea rat union. <laughs> <laughs> Unionize the sea rats! <laughs> Well, I uh, didn't vote for you. It's <laughs> no way to run a society. <laughs> Strange women giving out swords in the middle of lakes. If some moistened bee would love to scimitar me, they'd haul me away. <laughs> help, help, I'm being repressed. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, uh, Mother Mellis catches Bag and Run, keeping watch for sea rats, and sends them smartly back into the abbey. Uh, she worries for her beloved home, but Flag and Saxus comfort her. Yes, the sea rats might be back, but they're not going to give up the abbey so easily. Uh, and then you forgot to put a little the little break here. Oh, apologies. For the chapter. Usually, well, like, for me, it's like the chapter break is a space, and then the break is um the little tilde. Yeah. So, so sorry, the tilde is meant to be like a break between scenes, whereas an actual space between paragraphs is a chapter break. That's oh, why I, okay. I have it set up. Yeah. The tilde helps me, like, just for future reference, having okay. the tilde there for breaks between perspectives, just in general, okay. helps. I'll do a um, double tilde between chapters then. How about that? That sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah, because it helps me, because if there's not any break like that between them, then I just might keep reading it on as though it's the same fucking thing. Gotcha, double tilde between chapters, it is. Woo! Success. <laughs> uh, Mariel is saved from a stabbing by the arrival of Stonehead McGurney, a fierce and mighty barn owl. And we can't- again, this book is robbing me of my deus ex jokes because Brian set this up since part one! Yup. I'm being robbed of my snark. No snark for you. None. He's too competent, this book. This fucking owl has a <laughs> Scottish accent. <laughs> I love him. It's just, like, literally, Snidger approached Mariel, brandishing the sword. Weighted down by Flitcheye, she was unable to move. Helplessly, she watched him raise the glittering blade. From nowhere, a huge voice rang out. I was born on a dark night in a storm. I'm the roaring child of Heavywing McGurney. Shake in your fur, Flitcheye. Stoneheads arrived. <laughs> He's just so I love good. Him. He just comes in, bowls them all over with his own head. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a battering ram. And I love that it's a barn owl. Of all owls he chose to be like this big brute, it's a barn owl. It's so good. Um, Stonehead I think this is was my aptly na- so far. 
He's very good. Stonehead was aptly named. He used his massive head like a battering ram, thudding and budding with the speed of a striking snake as he shouted aloud at the terrified Flitch-Eye tribe. Stand and fight, you forest weeds! Why, if I couldn't slay a dozen of you before breakfast, I'd die of shame! I can drink a river dry and eat an orchard bare! I'm Stonehead McGurney, bravest of the brave! I'm not gonna try and do a Scottish accent. This owl definitely has a Scottish accent. Oh yeah, with a name like McGurney. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I also, I also Very. love that, like, he, he talks about how, like, um, he's not the wisest, but he is the bravest. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. No, it's very good. Literally, six flitch eye were backing off toward the woods. Stonehead spotted them and yelled, get back here, down your pits and shut the lids. Run away and I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. You know I never lie. We McGurneys aren't the wisest owls anywhere, but by thunder, we're the bravest. <laughs> Oh my god. It's very <laughs> good. It. He's so good. Just this, yeah, and it's, he's a himbo it's owl. Solid. He is. Um, so, uh, they, the, Marilyn Cole let him finish the fight on his own. Literally, like, it says, Marilyn and her companions got the feeling they would offend the big barn owl by joining in the fight. <laughs> I <know. laughs> uh, So, he reveals what the flitch eye are. Um, basically, he turned to the four travelers aggressively. So you're the redwall creatures, eh? Should never let yourselves be caught, uh, by this lot. Flitchai, ha! I'll show you what they are. Come here, you. Snidger came, but not quickly enough. Stonehead grabbed him in one powerful talon and ripped away the bark cloth mask and trailing weeds. There's a Flitchai for you. Skinny little weasels dressed up. That's all they are. Here, do you want me to butt him right over the top of that hollow oak? I can do it easily, you know. <laughs> They're just, they're little, they're small weasels. Least weasels, least weasels, least weasels. <laughs> he's, he's so ready to just do a violence. Oh, he's so ready to do a violence. And didn't we have a whole discussion in the Discord about, like, if there's a least weasel, is there, like, a maximum weasel or a most weasel? That's a wee ret. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> the wee ret is the maximum weasel. Oh, no! I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Flitchy, the least amount of weasel. The wee rat, the most amount of weasel. <laughs> There's our sliding scale, guys. Yep. Uh, with the Flitchy suitably subdued, Dandan introduces them all. We learn Stonehead has a wife and four chicks, and he's more than happy to have them all over for supper to meet them. Uh, despite being quite prone to fights and ferocity, the owls make excellent hosts. And it's really good because they have like a dinner, like a mushroom salad ready for them. Yeah. And they're just like, we're not going to ask why the owls aren't eating with us. Because no? they notice in the bushes uh, remnants of bark cloth masks and clumps of suspiciously arranged weeds. Yep. It's He's, very funny. <laughs> like straight up confirm that these guys just occasionally eat the flitchy. Flitchy. That's probably their main source of food, honestly. Mm -hmm. And you know what? So, they don't give him any crap for it. It's like, good. Yep. 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 They're, they are excellent hosts. They fed us a mushroom salad. They didn't try to get us to eat weasel. You know what? They're not trying to eat us. Like, this, this is again, fine. This is, again, like, part of the one of the books that feels like very Beatrix pottery to me, where it's like these big predators who, like, they could eat you, but they're also very excellent hosts. So as long as they're behaving civilized, no reason to be worried.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and want to help keep it going, please consider donating to our coffee, linked in the description below. Follow our Twitter and Tumblr at Abbey Archives and join our Discord. This podcast is part of Hearthside Enclave, and some other shows you might like are Hope's Hearth, a solar hope punk actual play podcast, and Post Apocalyptic News Radio, a Fallout inspired audio drama.